선언하는 기념비성 명작인 대집단 제조와 예술 공연 아리랑은 North Korean television coverage of the sights and sounds of the mass games. The gymnastic spectacle involving as many as 100,000 performers is held each year to mark the birth of the man known as the great leader, Kim Il-sung, the country's eternal president. Yes, forever. We regard our leader Kim Il-sung officially president, even though he passed away, but our people regard he's alive. He will be with us Forever. The great leader dominates everything in Pyongyang. Arriving at Pyongyang Airport is like stepping into a scene from a Cold War movie. There's a strong military presence and controls on bringing in everything from books to phones. Satellite phone, still phone. Uh, I left it behind, I did not bring it. We left them in China. The Democratic People's Republic of Korea is probably the most secretive country in the world. But for three days last month, it opened its doors just a fraction to let in New Zealand's foreign minister and a small accompanying contingent. Honourable Your Excellency Foreign Minister, Winston Raymond Peters, close friends of New Zealand. To begin with, I'd like to warmly welcome Right Honourable Minister and your delegation once again on the visit to our country. It is with a pleasure to note that we will have an open and frank exchange of views. The talks were dominated by North Korea's nuclear ambitions following last year's test. Winston Peters' mission was to support international efforts to convince the DPRK to abandon its weapons program. Well, it's very simple. We come here with a long commitment for the purpose we're talking about. Uh, that is our concern about nuclear um, armaments here in this part of the world and its effect on the region, in fact, uh, international circumstance. And um, what we're really saying is that progress thus far in the six-party talks is encouraging, and uh, if we see it through to the end, uh, there could be of enormous benefit, most certainly on the issue of security and peace in this part of the world, but also economically for North Korea in the long run. It was the first visit to North Korea by a Western minister since the October 2006 test. It was a small but important step in re-engagement with the West, watched closely by the US, China and the wider region. But while nuclear disarmament was the big picture, the reality of life under a Stalinist personality cult provided the backdrop. Our first impressions of Pyongyang, it was pretty grey. It was very cold. We arrived at nightfall and what was noticeable was the, um, the lack of street lights, the lack of, of powerful light bulbs on in any homes really. Uh, many of the apartments were in darkness um, and those that had some light coming out, you, you'd swear there was no bulbs over 40 watts on display. A lot of people on foot, not so many cars. What was very noticeable however was some of those iconic images, I suppose, when you think of a communist state or a police state even, uh, the, the grand displays of, of statues of the leaders, uh, murals depicting the workers struggling together to build a better and a stronger North Korea. And they, of course, were all very well lit. All official visitors to North Korea must pay homage at the birth site of the country's founding father, Kim Il-sung. And this desk and inkstone were used by the Grand Leader President Kim Il-sung and also his son, the great general Kim Jong-il. The New Zealand delegation rubbed shoulders with scores of local Koreans, with one newly married couple posing for their wedding photos in front of the humble cabin. 
The guided tour comes complete with homilies from the life of the great leader and his son Kim Jong-il, the dear leader. So as you know, at that time, our country was occupied by the Japanese imperialism. So our great desire is the independence of the country. So he would write on the paper, curious independence, making up his mind to liberate the country. The visit to Mangyon Day Hill was just one stop on a lengthy tour of monuments and memorials. The great leader's smiling portrait looks out of every square. There are statues and slogans. Let us arm ourselves with the revolutionary idea of great leader Comrade Kim Il-sung. My government assigned minder, Mr. Ri. Officially, he was there to translate and answer my questions. But his real mission was to ensure I didn't see, hear or record anything I wasn't meant to. In effect, he was the voice of the regime, the only North Korean I could really talk to. Mr. Ri played tourist guide, showing off the government-approved sites of Pyongyang. So, Mr. Ri, can you tell me a, a, a bit about the statue? What, what is the scene with the soldiers on both sides of the, of the massive statue of the, of the leader? Uh, as you see, the bronze statue of Great Leader President Kim Il-sung has been erected on the occasion of his 60th birthday in 1972. It shows the struggle period against the Japanese imperialists. Okay. Okay. The other side, after liberation, all Korean people are struggling for the construction of the new Korea. And also the Standing in front of the towering statue, it was impossible not to recall the images of Saddam Hussein's statue being toppled in front of a cheering crowd following the fall of his regime. Such comparison could not, however, be discussed with Mr. Ri, who was constant in his praise of the great leader. I wonder if deep down there isn't a part of him that thinks that things are deeply wrong here in Korea. He certainly gives no indication of it. Uh, he defends what's going on, he defends his great leader, he defends the party. But you'd have to have your eyes closed not to see that this country is in trouble, that there's poverty, that the people could do better and should do better and don't have the freedom that he insists he has. As part of that freedom, Mr. Ri studies the writings of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il every Saturday, a common practice, he says, in North Korea. The indoctrination starts at birth. By the time they can talk, children are literally singing the great leader's praises. At the children's palace, hundreds gather to see spectacular patriotic performances. And so what are they singing about here? What are they singing about? about great leader Kamala Kim Jong-il because they say Kamala Kim Jong-il not only great leader but also their father. The great leader's embalmed body lies on display inside an imposing white stone mausoleum, fronted by a plaza large enough to hold hundreds of thousands of people. It's a vast building. There's uh, got to be many people working here full time just to keep it clean. Um, in a country with so few resources, uh, to maintain so many memorials to one man, it seems extraordinary. I don't know that uh, words can really do justice to this 
public space. It's an amazing public space. There's a, a canal running along the front next to this enormous wall, which I'm just walking up to now to see how thick it is, uh, this gate. And those walls, they must be at least a metre thick. And again, you get the same image that you always get of uh, Kim Il-sung uh, in his maybe 50s, white streaks in his hair, smiling and looking away to the right. Inside is the preserved body of Kim Il-sung. There's even a monument to one of the great leader's ideas. The 170-metre-high stone Juche Tower offers panoramic views of Pyongyang, a city dominated by virtually empty eight-lane highways and boxy 1950s-style apartment buildings. So every building in the city has been rebuilt since 1953 when the Korean War is over. So during the war, everything has been destroyed, nothing left in this land. The whole city was flattened. So from 1953, we built small, small houses first. And as the years go by, we built somewhat modern and taller houses. Juche, or self-reliance, is the central principle of the North Korean regime's ideology, as a guide at the tower explains. We say it's a man-centered idea or a popular masses-centered idea because it emphasizes the main essence of the idea is that man is the master of everything and decides everything. It clarified man's position and role in this world. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's what this book's about? Oh, this is the all about the theory. Uh, just uh, starting from the creation, mm -hmm. creation of the idea, origin of the idea, and philosophical principle, what I tell you, the man yep. is the master, and, master yeah. and social historical, and the guiding principle, and significance, maybe. I, I, rec I recommend to read, because to understand the better, to have the better understanding of the idea. Juche emphasizes economic and military self-sufficiency, built upon the ideological strength of the masses. It gives priority to what Kim Jong-il called in his 1982 treatise on the Juche idea, ideological remoulding, arming the people with communist thoughts, training them in revolutionary practice. And he wrote, Juche requires the people to uphold the revolutionary idea of the leader and dedicate all their strength to carrying out party policy. But what has Juche delivered to the people on the streets of Pyongyang? Following the disintegration of the regime's great benefactor, the Soviet Union, North Korea's centrally planned economy collapsed, unable to cope without its shipments of oil and food. That, combined with flooding and crop failure, led to famine in the mid-1990s, leaving an estimated 2 million people dead. Production has gradually improved since then, but even now the United Nations World Food Programme reports that malnourishment is widespread and the country's collective farms do not produce nearly enough to feed the population. North Korea relies on international food aid for about a quarter of its requirements, with a 400,000 tonne delivery of rice from South Korea completed just last week. Maybe 400 tonne of crop. 400 tonne. Mm. And vegetables, 8,000 tonne. 8,000 tonne. The manager at a cooperative farm just outside Pyongyang, explaining the damage done in August's flooding, which left 600 people dead and destroyed an estimated 10% of farmland. A trip to see some of the worst hit areas south of Pyongyang was cancelled, supposedly because of time constraints. The farm, designated the New Zealand Friendship Farm by the North Korean government, was as close as the New Zealand delegation got to seeing real life in the DPRK. Oh, this is 
There were more songs about the great leader, performed by children as young as three or four. But while we were shown grand buildings in the capital city, here the homes and facilities were basic and run down. And this at a farm the government was happy to have on show. The Juche philosophy has created poverty, hunger and repression as the regime works to maintain control on the population. According to the US State Department, up to 200,000 political prisoners are detained in concentration camps, while Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch say torture is widespread and public executions are conducted. A unit of the Korean People's Army doing their early morning calisthenics. A 1.2 million strong force in a country of just 23 million people, the KPA is the world's fourth largest army. If Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il are the central figures in North Korean life, the army is the rock upon which the regime is built. The prospect of the KPA having nuclear weapons is one that horrifies North Korea's neighbours. Even China, the closest thing North Korea has to an ally, wants it to abandon its weapons programme. But Mr Rhee insists all his country wants is more power generation. So, main point to improve the capacity of electricity is the nuclear power. This is the world trend. Because America and Japan and, and South Korea, they fear that, that you're using your, your nuclear, nuclear program to develop weapons uh, rather than just to turn on light bulbs. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But there was a weapons test last year, wasn't there? Yes, as you know, the, we have conducted a nuclear test to cope with the threat from America. You know, the America is the big country in the world which has lots of nuclear weapons. Yeah. And with that nuclear weapons, they threat any country which does not accept demand of America. Paranoia about America and Japan is ever-present in North Korea, although the rhetoric has toned down in recent months. In fact, there's a definite warming in relations with the West. At the same time as the New Zealand delegation was in Pyongyang, a team of US experts was overseeing the disabling of the Yongbyon nuclear reactor as part of an international deal that will see North Korea receive a million tonnes of heavy fuel oil or equivalent aid. The American experts were staying at the same hotel as the New Zealand media, memorable for its fake birdsong in the lobby. While they wouldn't give interviews, privately they indicated things were going well. That's a sentiment shared by Winston Peters following his meeting with his North Korean counterpart. The six-party talks are making progress, and uh, if they can be uh, successfully concluded in the way that uh, those involved in them seem to be heading, uh, then obviously our bilateral relationship can expand and some of the programs that we've talked about can take place. They are dependent on each other happening at the same time. New Zealand's message to the DPRK was simple. 
change your ways, and we're here to help. We've made it very clear that we, like many other countries, are encouraged by the six-party talks and that if the long-term resolution of uh, this peninsula's peace and security is uh, the result, then many countries will be in to help uh, as, a, uh, as a consequence of that uh, clear change in the 21st century after decades of, uh, of uh, standoff and a showdown, really. If you look at this uh, country's work ethic uh, the, um, in the brief time we've been here, it's, things could be ex extraordinarily exciting economically in the future uh, if they were um, uh, to avail themselves of the first world technology and uh, systems. To underline the aid message, the delegation included Peter Adams, the head of New Zealand's Overseas Aid and Development Agency. We, uh, as you know, have a, a, an aid program that's growing, but it's relatively quite small. New Zealand is not into big infrastructure projects or into managing sizable projects in developing countries, but clearly in the area of technical assistance and education, New Zealand is strong. But Peter Adams warns aid can only ever be a small part of the solution. The real questions are around how they're going to make their economy work better uh, because it hasn't been doing so well, obviously, for people. Um, they have a planned economy. They have something of a market economy starting up and uh, they have some special economic zones. The real challenge for them is how they're going to... Um, to migrate the market economy uh, stimulus and incentives uh, more broadly into the whole economy. And uh, uh, so that, 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 I think, is the real challenge. The society, all societies really need to help themselves, and, and aid is a, is, can be a catalyst, can be an additionality at the margins, can be an important additionality at the margins, but ultimately aid cannot save a society that has poor policy. The policies have to change. And already there are signs of change, albeit small-scale and tentative. North Korea is desperate for hard currency and is open to the possibility of foreign investment. This garment factory started life as a joint venture with a Japanese company and now Auckland businessman Wayne Mulqueen is eyeing up the opportunities. The level of skill in the workers is very high, the management is strong and the, the processes used to, to, to manufacture gar <coughs> excuse me, garments is, is world class really. What you're seeing in this factory would be as good as anywhere in Auckland. You're here to find out whether or not there's business to be done here? Yes. And what's your, what's your feeling? And how easy do you think it would be to do business? Oh, I think um, to do business here, absolutely. Before coming, um, what you read in, in, or, or see in the media is this thing's the backward, but it's not true. We've found out since being here, they're already trading with Japan and China. That's already going on. Um, so there's, there's room for the New Zealand um, companies to come here and have a lower labour rate. Uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's, it's, it's much better than China at the moment. Uh, not necessarily set up at the start, but maybe process some orders through here. Wayne Mulqueen was brought to the factory by another New Zealander, Hugh Golan, who has spent three years in North Korea offering micro-loans to start-up enterprises. Oh, there's been lots of uh, success stories. Uh, the people here are very capable, very creative, very well educated, uh, and with relatively modest sums of uh, capital, modest loans, they can achieve a lot. What's the motivation for this? Uh, we are here to help the local enterprises develop their own capacity and we're working with commercial disciplines so that there's a good model for everything that we're doing. 
how, how easy is it uh, to operate here? Compared to New Zealand, there's some differences, as one might expect. What so, sort of differences, I mean? Well, there's not a lot of foreigners, so being a foreigner here, you have a different set of challenges. I'm not fluent in Korean. Some very obvious things. What about the, um, the machinery of, of the state? Um, from the outside, from New Zealand, our, our perception is that this is a, a heavily controlled society, uh, that, that it would be very hard to do private business. As a foreigner coming in, you clearly need to have an introduction and work through the formalities. It's very different to New Zealand in that regard. I think it's obvious sort of things that you can guess. What about personal... You don't want to go into it, is what you mean. Uh, uh, yeah. You run... What about personal freedoms uh, and the, the differences there? Oh, that's a, that's a topic that you guys could explore with others. Hugh Golan's reluctance to be drawn on the difficulties of working and living in North Korea is understandable. There is huge government sensitivity about anything that smacks of capitalism, anything that indicates the centrally planned economy has failed. And that includes the officially sanctioned private markets, where goods are bought and sold for a profit. At Tongil Market, the sellers may have just about outnumbered the buyers, but there was an unmistakable buzz of activity so absent from the rest of the city. And you could even buy a Mickey Mouse backpack. It was the one stop on the itinerary where the media were not allowed to film, take photos or record audio. Many aspects of North Korea remain a mystery. Are people really so brainwashed that they believe in the infallibility of the great leader? Is there any internal opposition, or is the repressive power of the state absolute? I couldn't ask real people the questions that mattered. All I could do was seek answers from Mr. Ree. Do you, do you feel your people are free? They're free, free. They are free? They are free. Because our people love our leader so much. So I think nobody of Korea can criticize. It, it is said that people who do criticize the great leader or the dear leader end up in concentration camps. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You've had enough? Yeah, you know, the, I don't interest in such kind of thing, you know? It is, uh, how can I explain, unpolite mm-hmm. okay. for the Korean people, so don't mention again. To fly in or out of North Korea, you have to go via China. The contrast is stark. The People's Republic of China remains an authoritarian one-party state, but the cult of personality has been virtually swept aside by capitalism. Just hours after leaving Pyongyang, I sat down with Winston Peters in Beijing. The discussion moved swiftly to human rights and the great leader. I tell what the most important human rights uh, issue is here, and that is to ensure that no one loses their human rights by a nuclear conflagration on this peninsula. That'll be the most fundamental attack on human rights I know. Can I ask you, I mean, everywhere we went, we saw statues and monuments to Kim Il-sung. What did you make of the... Of the almost deification of this man. 
Uh, look, uh, you're asking me for an impression that's not to do with the six-party talks. No, I'm asking you as, as someone who has been to a fascinating place, and I'm just wondering if you've got a human reaction. Well, I mean, what would be a bigger cult of personality than, for example, those media people who appear on all the women's magazines every once a month? What is a bigger cult of personality is a culture that has 40-metre bronze statues of a man that they still call the eternal president when he's been dead for 13 years. Can you give me any reaction to that? Yes, I could, but is that going to help the objective we seek to uh, bring to conclusion here? And if it doesn't, I'm not going to uh, contaminate the great possibilities and opportunity that we have to do something important where New Zealand is on the right side of history. And because I think that's what we may be looking at, the cusp of a significant change, and for the better.